Live from our man caves in Hawaii and Virginia, this is MLS Gone Wild, where Blem, Poopus, and Mike D bring you the latest news, rumors, analytics, predictions, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get it going, boys. Welcome to MLS Gone Wild, week 17. This is Blem. I hope everyone is doing well. Yeah, this is Poopus. Welcome, Katie. Like, glad to have you on the, on the show today. And welcome again to MLS Gone Wild. Oh, thanks for having me. Never been greeted by a poop guy. <laughs> well, first time for everything, so I'm glad to be the first. <laughs> and again, um, my name's Mike D. Uh, first time on the pod, and you know, just happy to be here. I got, like Blake said, activated off the bench, so I'm ready to rock. <laughs> Welcome to the playing field, Mike Delaney. Like Poopa said, we have a very special guest today. She's the all-time leading goal scorer for Wake Forest women's soccer team. She's a U-20 World Cup winner, and she's a forward for the Houston Dash, Katie Stengel. Welcome to MLS Gone Wild. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah. First of all, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Can't complain. Good. So before we really get started with the questions, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Oh, boy. Okay. Give, um, give, hmm. give us something fun. Well, I'm about 5'9", brown hair. Um, when I actually <laughs> get it done, it looks halfway decent. I hardly ever brush it, though, so you can't really tell. Um, let's see. I was born on leap year, so I'm still very young. Uh, grew up in Florida. Went to school at Wake Forest. Go Deeks. Um, been to several different countries playing. And the latest, I'm in Houston. So sweating my ass off here. Sorry, we let to say that. Yes, you can say that. Yes. <laughs> we, we, are, we are MLS gone wild to so say whatever comes to your mind. All right, guys can say whatever they want. That's right. <laughs> that's so I guess that's my cue. Um, again, you know, kind of just making things a little bit light, you know, before we get into some of the harder questions for you, Katie, um, you know, we see that you, you like to drink wine. Um, you know, <laughs> Connoisseur, if I may add. Yeah. Outside of soccer, um, you know, what are some of your favorite hobbies? Hmm. Well, when I say kind of sore, it was more of a sarcasm. Um, <laughs> let's see. All I'm getting is like notes of like green grapes and stuff. But I still like to go to the wineries. And we found a couple in Houston. Um, so I've been exploring a bit, um, obviously, with my mask and everything and staying 17 feet away. But it's been fun to like explore my new city. And I feel like I've been doing that a lot since I've traveled and just haven't really had like a stable club i guess um like exploring like drinking coffee um i'm all about a bougie latte pick mm. see that um, was gonna be one of my questions feel that. Actually. sorry say that one more time I said, I said that was gonna be one of my questions actually see <laughs> see what kind of coffee you actually like oh i'm all about it i mean i actually do like making my own coffee at home but if i'm gonna go out and try to be social uh, which happens like you know once a month I do like going to a cute coffee shop and get some good ambiance. Um, let's see what else. Really like spike ball. Um, nice. Great. I'm not good at it, but I still like to play. And I hate losing, so it gets to be quite an issue. Um, biking, hiking. I got a little mini basketball hoop, so I've been playing with my roommate a bunch. But that's about it. Nice. That's that's good insight about yourself. So if you had to drink one kind of wine, what would it be? Because I, I currently have a Pinot Noir poured up. It's not an expensive one. It's a box wine, but oh 
I have a friend who tried to claim that box wine was good, and I was like, I don't care how like much it makes sense economically, it's not okay. Um, <laughs> but I still drink the two dollar uh, Trader Joe's classy cap staff. Can't beat it. Yeah, exactly. Small pour, big pour. Um, is my dad listening? Uh, <laughs> it depends on if you retweet and share it with him. Oh yeah, Oof. yeah, he'll probably see it soon or hear it soon. Um, yeah, well, I'm a big pour. Only in the off season, though, you know, season I'm staying steady. So that's right. So speaking of the season, on May 25th, the NWSL announced that you guys could go back to small group training. Mm-hmm. Two days later, on May 27th, the league announced the the Challenge Cup that's going to be starting a month later on June 27th in Utah. Today, the league announced the tournament schedule. You guys will be playing back-to-back NWSL champs, North Carolina Courage, Sky Blue FC, Chicago Red Stars, and your former team, the Washington Spirit. So what have preparations been like for the Challenge Cup? Um, well, double days dealing with very hot heat. Um, and then, you know, the weekly nose stabbings. Those have been delightful. Um, so we get COVID tested like every week. And I was going to say, what is that? Uh, <laughs> It's the worst thing you could possibly do. You literally lose five IQ points every time because they dig so deep. And then, you know, <laughs> the whole time. Um, so, yeah, I hope no one else has to do those. But we do those once a week. And then once we go to Utah, we'll have to get it done, like, before and after every game. So that'll be, like, 500 more times. Um, mm. But, yeah, we've just been, like, we went from, obviously, individual training, which it doesn't really matter how much you do off the field. It still just doesn't replicate like actual playing and soccer stuff. So it's been a lot in a short amount of time trying to get used to like a brand new team. And most of our team is an influx of new players and um, getting used to like everyone's playing styles and this new coaching style and new environment. So it's been a lot of information on a short amount of time. Yeah, that can be really tough, like you said, with a group of, of brand new players. You know, you guys are only getting a month and two days, you know, based off of that small group training date on May 25th to, like you said, not only get to be in tune with your new teammates and understand the system that your guys' coach is uh, implementing. And on top of that, fitness. And fitness is different from game fitness. So those are some things you have to consider as well. Yeah, it's been a lot. But it's been, like, it's been good. I mean, it's obviously this whole year has just been a very odd challenge. So I remember when we first got quarantined, it was on Pi Day, actually. I remember that vividly. So we got quarantined and it was like, wait, are we going to have a season? Like I just got, everyone just got super fit, ready to go for preseason. We had three days of preseason and then it was like, oh, just kidding. Go back and stay in your houses forever. And it was like, do I keep staying fit and like pushing myself every day, not knowing when we actually start again? Or do we, I don't know, try to have have some kind of cross training, have fun and like not burn out too quick or so it was nice to finally get the challenge cup announced and have some kind of season this year. Sure. And like you said, with the spike ball thing, you know, you hate to lose. You're very competitive. So I'm sure that you're, you're very happy that soccer is back. Absolutely. So you talked a little bit on the policies on the testing, like you guys will be getting tested before and after every game. Once you guys get to Utah, but you guys are being tested once a week now back in in Houston. Mm Mm-hmm. So we covered in our last two episodes the the MLS is back tournament that's going to be happening in Orlando. And we're just uh, – we're, we're kind of wondering the specifics about the Challenge Cup. So 
MLS players are going to be staying in two specific hotels. There's, it's very restricted with uh, player interaction while they're down in Orlando. Is that something similar? Is something similar to that going to be happening in Utah? Yeah, very similar. I think it's going to be, especially with the recent spikes and stuff now, I feel like everyone is so much more nervous to get it because if you do test positive, you're you know basically counting yourself out of the tournament. So it's like everyone's very nervous about going anywhere already. So then once we get to Utah, it's going to be in your hotel room, counting all the ceiling tiles a million times. Um, very few interactions with the team. Like, obviously, when you play each other, and that's about it. And I don't even think we're allowed to interact with anybody but our, like, essential team members. So this past week, Bill Hamid, the goalkeeper for DC United, spoke out very powerfully about, you know, how he felt like they were basically being held, you know, prisoner at Orlando, you know, they have to do exactly what the league says. How do you feel about going there and being so restricted for what you do for a month? Hmm. I remember going out and getting tacos with him and a few teammates in DC. Nice guy. Um, <laughs> uh, interesting. I actually didn't see that, but that's, I mean, I understand how people could feel like, you know, you're stuck there and you really can't do much, but I feel like I'm assuming he might have been to an Olympics or a World Cup or something similar, some type of tournament. And me personally, it feels like that type of environment where you're just, you know, focused and ready for a tournament. So I feel like we personally have a game every three, four days. So I don't really see myself wanting to go out and go for a hike and explore Utah, really. Um, So I feel like I don't really mind staying in a hotel. I don't hate my teammates yet. We haven't had enough, you know, estrogen <laughs> flying around too much. So I think we'll be fine. I think it's going to be a lot of puzzling and a lot of cards and just hang out in the hotel, but it's only for, you know, three, four weeks. So I feel like it'll be a nice change from the past quarantine in my own house, but he might have differing opinions. That's a very positive approach on the whole situation. Oh, that's me. I, I love it. Buddy. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Got to be positive. Yeah. Agreed. All right, Katie. So I know that I know the NWSL is underlooked in America pretty much to the compared to the MLS. Cause so the MLS average for attendance was 21,310 last year in 2019. And the NWSL had an average of 7,337. So what do you think the ML or the NWSL needs to do to become more popular in, in America and compete with MLS? Oh, uh, I mean, I think it goes without saying the MLS has been around longer and is more established and even has like a feeder system, USL and um, especially with like homegrown players and the local academies and everything like that. So I think the U.S. is still trying to catch up. And obviously the, the MLS has a significant number more teams in the league. And so it's easier to, you know, have a geographical rival and all these other things that play into it. But I think you just need you know, more money invested. And I feel like our expansions are happening just at a slower rate. So, I mean, the rumor has been they're going to add two more teams next year um, and hopefully be somewhat associated with the men's club so that you don't have to rebuild an entire fan base at a brand new place. And you can kind of, you know, piggyback off of their infrastructure. So I feel like it just is going to take more time and money, obviously. And I feel like that is the answer to everything. But um, I mean, you see MLS players and 
they were just on strike about not getting paid enough. And yet even like their lowest tiered people still, you know, have endorsement deals, have like a decent salary, whereas ours are, you know, barely making ends meet and still possibly could, you know, file for food stamps. So it's like eventually the legal expand eventually will actually get some funding and things like that. So players can get paid um, and have a full long year long season. Yeah. You mentioned and you mentioned NWSL teams being you know affiliated with MLS teams. Is the Houston Dash directly affiliated with the Houston Dynamo? Yeah, we use the same facilities and we're pretty close with that team. Obviously, haven't seen them in COVID, but that's what I've heard. Yeah, right. And it's a really good point. You know, being able to associate, you know, or or have an expansion team come in that's already associated with that fan base. You know, I think will really bode well and and make it an easy transition and, and help to build that, that following. Right. So from, I have a couple stats here. One of our buddies sent us from 22, from 2003 to 2019 girls soccer participation across America has grown 31%. Whereas basketball and softball have been trending downward in 2018 from 2018 to 2019 soccer is the fo- fourth most popular sport amongst girls, high school sports. What do you think that these increases um, attribute or what, what attributes to these increases? I mean, I think you can see from just the U.S. women's national team, their recent success comes and then there's a spike in, you know, attendance. So young girls want to go and play and be like these people that they can actually look up to and have these, you know, role models that are now common everyday names, household names. So I feel like there's been just like a huge increase because I mean, it's a social thing. It's a fun game. Everyone can get along. Everyone can play it. And I mean, I feel like this past generation of players who recently had played and like seen these, like, you know, the U S 99ers now they're all having kids and those kids are now in religious base. And interesting to see how quick the U S has, you know, expanded and had so many more players play, but Hopefully that, you know, correlates to our league continuing to expand. Absolutely. Yeah. Shout out to U.S. Women's National Team 2015-2019 World Cup champs. Shout out to them. I actually had that written down as well. I was hoping you would go that route. <laughs> Waiting for it. And, and attribute the success to that. To that. Now, I got, I got another question. Like, do you think, like, playing in Utah for this tournament, do you think it's going to be weird not playing in front of people? Yeah, but, like, I've been watching Bundesliga games, and they play this recording that makes it sound like there's tons of people just, like, in normal games. So I hope they maybe replicate that because, I mean, I remember playing a couple games in, like, Orlando and Houston who were – there weren't that many fans and were playing in these massive stadiums. So it looks pretty empty even if there are, you know, 7,000 people. So, I don't know, maybe we're kind of used to that, sadly. So hopefully – you know, the big open stands, they can fill it with some kind of noise because that would be really weird. Because <laughs> I know the Premier League is trying to do, uh, like, come out music for certain players and, <laughs> like, for goals and stuff like that. So, what, for like, for that, what would your be, like, what would be your song for if you score a goal or something like that? Oh, God, my walkout song? Huh? Yeah. Let's see. Yes. Hmm. I good don't know. Question, well that done. is a great question. That is a good question. Hmm. I'll have to think I'm about impressed. that. 
we'll, we'll get back yeah, to we'll that. Get back. We'll get back. Somebody write that down. <laughs> while we're on this topic, I think while we're talking about the NWSL gaining popularity within the United States, I think it has to be said that the NWSL is going to be the very first contact sport to come back. And it's going to be televised on CBS uh, All Access, I believe, is what it's going to be on. And a couple games will be on Twitch. So with them winning the race to be first back, I think this offers them a huge opportunity to gain. You know, I've seen people on Twitter, people that I haven't been seeing tweet about the NWSL. They're talking about, you know, picking their new favorite or their favorite team and watching and subscribing to CBS All Access so they can watch all of these games. So I think just in that, this them being first back into the sports scheme gives them a huge opportunity to to grow their fan base to gain exposure so i i think that's going to give them a leg up uh on the mls and katie are you guys playing in a stadium or are you guys playing on like a, a complex the actual the first round preliminary round will be at the usl facility so it'll still be a stadium but it's where the monarchs normally play and then okay. I think the final semifinal will be in the actual um, Royals and RSL Stadium. And so just by you saying that, I think that gives you guys another advantage. On our previous podcast, we talked about, you know, Katie, I don't know if you've played at Disney Wide World of Sports, but Ooh, I've, yeah. yeah, so it's it's literally acres and acres and acres of just fields, green grass everywhere. You know, there's there may be a grandstand on one side and some mini bleachers for the parents to sit on on the other but it's going to be really hard to replicate that noise that you just spoke about in a place where there isn't stands, you know, there's nothing there. So just like you said, you were watching the Bundesliga, having at least the feel of them playing in the stadium and you playing that noise gives you the feel that it's, it's, there's really fans there. It's a real atmosphere. Yeah, that's true. I think it will be very Disney. Why were the sports? At least you don't have to pay like, you know, $80 to watch a kid play all weekend. That'll be different. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so it's something that Don Garber came out yesterday and said is that the MLS is going to consider doing the like Zoom fans on the sides, you know, with the <laughs> LED screens, having the, the fans drinking beer and, you know, doing their chants on the sidelines. Pretty sure I said those exact words last week. But is that something that you would you like? Would that be would that be distracting to you? I think that'd be so goofy. I don't think we'd even be able to see it. But I mean, I th- still think it'd be cool. It'd be cool if you could take like the big jumbotron and like, you know how they do like kiss cam, but you could like zoom out to every other one, else, everybody else who's like signed in on the call, and they could actually like you know cheer from home or get some kind of screen time. Yeah. I don't know. That's yeah. different. You find yourself in the middle of the game looking up at the at the, the jumbotron, you know, right. distracted. Right. <laughs> yeah, you should be through on goal, but you know, they got a couple up there kissing on the kiss cam, and you completely <laughs> forget what you're supposed to be doing Just out get there. Get sniped out there completely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's really good insight into into what you guys are going to be doing in Utah. I'm definitely going to pay. I think it's the $6 a month to tune into CBS All Access. I don't know if I'm going to watch all the games, Katie, but I'll definitely tune into some of your games and check you out. That's all that matters. I get we it. We will drink a glass or bottle of wine. Oh, or, box, or, 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 no. or, a, or a box of wine. I'll settle for that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Katie. So I'll ask you another question coming up. So I know you played with uh, German side Bayern Munich. You played in Australia with Canberra United FC, Western Sydney Wonders, 
and Newcastle Jets. And then you played on American sides, Los Angeles Blues, Washington Spirit, Boston Breakers, Utah Ro- Royals, and the Houston Dash. So how does the women's soccer in Germany and Australia compare to the women's soccer in America? Uh, wow, that makes me sound like I've played for a million years. Um, okay. No, I would just say um, played for a lot of clubs. Wow. Uh, so when I played in Germany, it was very interesting because I came over right after college. And that's just like the typical route in America where you go to college, you spend your four years there, and then you might play pro, but it's really hard to break into that system. And then it's like, maybe go play abroad. Maybe you just, you know, get a real job and actually make some money. So then in Germany, it was just different because like I moved in with a roommate, two roommates, one who was 18, one who was close to 30. And it was just really interesting how there's just like huge, you know, age range, but over there they go pro so early and they go pro at like 18 and this is just like their life. And so from an early age, they're just like used to this pro, you know, system. And they've been doing it for many years by the time they finally get to like our college age. So then I went to Australia in our off seasons in America. And again, very young because they basically decide when they're in school, whether they're going to do sport or like an actual job. And so they specialize in sports and get like half the day off where they go and just like, they know they're going to play pro. And so these girls can like sign professional contracts when they're like, I want to say 16. I could be misspeaking, but I'm pretty sure I remember some of the girls being very young and signing these like pro contracts. And I'm like, they hardly can drive. Like their parents were still <laughs> dropping them off at practice. And it was so weird to me that like, they just start so young over there. And yet like there's been so much money thrown in and their PA has done so well to, actually support these young like youth pros because they have systems in place where they can now like help them finish out their schooling or eventually get a degree in something that they want to do and specialize and have all these programs for post career and then if they want to work with certain companies and do like all types of like on the field off the field like stuff in the community it's all right there and set up for them. So they have a lot of like structure there and a lot of money's been thrown in and supported. And like, we'll be walking around and like Caitlin Ford or other players who play for the Matildas are recognized just as much as the men's players. So I think that's just really interesting over there that even if they're so young, they have just, I don't know, so much respect over there. Whereas here, I feel like there's just so many players who play in college and it's sad that that doesn't, matriculate into like the call the pro system and maybe that's just age but it's just very different you spoke a little bit about your route and how your route was different going straight from wake forest over to germany is mm-hmm. that who you went to first yeah okay so you went straight to Bayern. Mm-hmm. um that's is that the route that you would suggest you know is that the desired route for any American woman soccer player that is is coming out of college here is to go overseas first and then come back do you think that gave you some kind of advantage um I want to say it definitely helped me because I know when I was in my senior year in college I was debating whether to enter the draft which is the normal route um and I feel like that's majority of players do that and still have a success there but 
Um, even if you get drafted, you don't necessarily have a contract in the NWL, And so you still have to go to preseason and hopefully break into that roster group. Or sometimes a lot of players get stuck and you get in this like weird limbo where you're kind of like a practice player, not really signed, but then they have your rights because they drafted you. So you're stuck at that club unless they waive you and get rid of you. And um, then you kind of are in this weird stage where you like, do I go try out for another team or do I do this or that? Or do I pay an agent who's going to ship me over to some small team in Iceland? Cause that's where he has got connections or do I like, I don't know. It's basically word of mouth trying to get a connection to go play somewhere else. So I got lucky enough um, when I signed with an agent and he was actually German and he actually had a connection with Bayern. So I got over there and I decided to go play abroad first because I didn't want to be just like do the typical thing and hopefully learn from different playing styles. Um, I thought it would benefit my game just learning from all these different types of players. Like we had German players, we had Japanese, Netherlands, Switzerland, Austria, all these different countries. And everybody had their own little flair and own little creativity, which I think kind of gets lost when you just come back and you're used to playing. I wouldn't say an American style, because I still think it's very diverse and there's lots of different types of players here, but I still think it's just different. And so I think it helped me a lot. I don't know if that would work for everybody because it was very hard to go by myself and be humble really quick. Um, when you go over there, they don't know about the college system or anything you've done previously. All they know is you're American, so they think you run a lot. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that, but, you know, I'll try. So it's just different. Um, and I, like, appreciate it because it opened my eyes to so many players I don't even know about because we're just not – aware of all the different leagues over there in Europe and how many players there really are. So it helped me a lot. Super interesting. So um, I do want to just jump in, Blake. I don't know if you were going to go, but um, she mentioned something that I kind of wanted to just touch on. You you said when you, you know, graduated and you decided that you wanted to go and learn kind of the different styles. Um, what would you say, um, you know, because like just for me, the first thing that I think of when I compare styles is, you know, watching the MLS to the EPL. Um, I'm a huge Liverpool fan. I love the EPL style of play. Um, you know, it tends to be a little bit slower, a little bit more controlled, relaxed, um, while I think the MLS is a little bit more um, aggressive and kind of running and gunning kind of thing. So with that being said, you know, what would you say the difference is from, you know, going over and playing in the Bundesliga to – playing you know in the uh in america um i think one of the biggest things i noticed was just the type of training we would do a lot more tactical stuff which was already more confusing for me because it was all in german and i was like uh what's that word does he want me to go here <laughs> so it was uh, a bit of a learning curve at first but so many of us didn't speak german so we had to like kind of you know learn from each other uh so i would say a lot of it was defensive shape, and we played in more of like defend and counter type style. So I would say it was a lot more transitional versus in America. I feel like a lot of games can get transitional, but I feel like it's more build from the back, actually keep possession, and then, you know, trying to exploit them somehow. And I do think it can be high press, a high pressing system. And I think. Several teams in this league do that. But I think the majority 
sit back, play out from the keeper, and you actually, like, build and play from there. Um, whereas Germany, I feel like they played long more often, and then we were just in good defensive shape and relied on that to, you know, start an attack. Well, Can I know – you're- Go ahead, Boobus. All right. So, well, I know you whipped some ass over there when you played for your Bayern Munich because you <laughs> led the team with nine goals and you led them to win a Bundesliga title. So, obviously, you did. You were working your ass off over there and led, led them in the right direction. So, pretty badass right there. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And especially if that's your first professional experience, you know, outside of Wake Forest and you scored those 50 goals for Wake, your very first you know, professional experience outside of, you know, you playing and winning the U-20 World Cup at your actual first pro experience, nine goals and 20 appearances for Bayern and winning the Bundesliga. Like, that's that's remarkable. Uh, did that instill some kind of confidence in you? Yeah, I think that really helped. Um, I honestly wasn't aware mid-season. I was like, oh, I guess I did score a couple goals. Um, <laughs> Just a few. I would take a couple tappings, but whatever. Um, no, I think it was really fun. Um, the team had never or hadn't won the Bundesliga in so many years. So that was really fun because it came down to our very last game. And I think there was a point and maybe some like weird tiebreakers between us. I want to say it was Frankfurt and Potsdam. So it got down to the wire and it was really exciting to finally win and celebrate on the field once you got the news. Um, and then I was actually gone for the whole celebration, but they got to celebrate with the men's team up in the like uh, Capitol building. And so I was like, oh, well, missed my one chance to meet them. Dang. No, what, what was the reason why you missed that? Like, I mean. um, I believe I was at a wedding at yeah. home or something like that. I'm oh, not that, really sure. That damn wedding. That damn wedding. Honestly, <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> don't get yourself in trouble now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what friend's going to listen. <laughs> yeah. Trouble. Kater, so you are, are you a Bayern Munich fan? Seeing as they I just am. they just won yeah, the Bundesliga yeah. again today. Yeah, what is it like eight times now? Yeah, eight times. Yeah, yeah, it's not really fair. No, I'm a huge Lewandowski fan. Loved him when he was there, and then um, Pep was actually there when I got to be there. So it was really fun to watch them train every day. Uh, we had kind of secret access because our cafeteria overlooked their training field. So I would always sit there and just like stare and watch, and it was the coolest learning. That's awesome. Well, that's really cool that you guys were like direct affiliates there in the Bundesliga. I knew that, but I didn't know Dynamo and the Dash were. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the Dynamo aren't as good and as popular as Bayern is, but it's good to see that there are American teams, the MLS teams, that are starting to adopt um, that affiliation, and not just the MLS, but the U.S. Soccer Federation in general you know, it would be good for them to move that way because that's kind of the way the EPL is and that's kind of the way the Bundesliga is. Yeah, I feel like uh, I have a couple of friends who played um, in the English League and they were saying it's interesting because the men's clubs are finally realizing they can have very good women's clubs if they just invest, respectively, a very, very small amount of money in the grand scheme. And get and it's still like one of the highest paying clubs on the women's side. Um, they invest, you know, a little bit of money, maybe a million dollars. And on the men's side, that looks like nothing. That looks like, you know, a week's salary. But for the women's team, it's like you could fund the entire team. So it's just wild how they can see it like pay out with just, you know, little investment. 
Now, before Mike Delaney asks his final question, I have one more question that my loud mouth wants to ask. <laughs> Is the NWSL the best women's league in the world? Ooh, that's tough. I'm going to offend a few people, probably, but um, I personally think it is. I think it would be even stronger if we could be year-round and attract some of the other very strong European players, um, which I think Americans can sound kind of naive because we just aren't aware of all the other talent out there until we watch the World Cup. But, yeah, I think it's definitely one of the strongest in the world. So you touched on it and, you know, Blake and, and Poopas also mentioned it a little bit um, prior in the podcast, but, you know, sometimes we see players that stay with the same club, you know, their entire career, but obviously that's not always the case. So, um, you know, we mentioned that you have played for a couple of different teams and so have all the moves in your career affected you in any way? Oh yeah. I've learned to live out of my Jeep. I've learned to, that's all you, the amount of things I can bring because you have to be able to, move at you know a day notice um I remember when I was first at DC I assumed I'd probably be at that club until I wanted to leave and that was not the case um so I quickly had to pack up all my stuff I moved to Boston two days later and we actually ended up playing DC so I got to see the coach that waved me and then played for Boston and then when I went to Australia in the off season, I was told they uh Boston folded so then we had an expansion draft and I got to go to Utah, which was the brand new club. So then I was at Utah for the longest standing club in my career. And then when I went to Australia this past off season, I was told I was traded. So then I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to come back home. And then I have, you know, two days to pack up my stuff from Australia, grab some winter clothes, uh, and then head down to Houston. So it's been interesting. Wow. It's been uh a lot of movement and not a lot of stability, but it helps me, I guess, not be as shy at first and just yeah. embrace my awkward sarcasm and become friends with people way faster. Yeah. Um, and then really learn to explore the city. I think being in Munich, I was homesick at the beginning and then I realized, hey, I'm in this really cool city. Let me go and explore. So I got really good at, you know, getting on my bike, going out, going for a walk, going and exploring all these new little spots. And I feel like that's one of the most important things I do now because life does exist outside of soccer. So it's nice to enjoy the rest of the, you know, 22 hours you have each day. Absolutely. Yeah. So you, um, one last thing, um, you know, with moving around, it sounds like, you know, obviously you keep a positive mentality um, pretty much through and through. And so you can kind of hear that in, in the way you talk about it, but, you know, sometimes you think that, you know, moving around as much and maybe even as quickly as some of the moves that you might have had might weigh on you. But would you say that it's made you maybe more resilient and, and kind of a little bit more thick skinned? I would hope so. I think yeah. um, I used to be a lot more, I don't know, my mood would depend a lot more on how training went that day. And now I've learned, okay, suck, like, all you can do is put as much as you can into training and into preparing for the next training. But at the end of the day, like, you know, this is going to end one day. So might as well enjoy right. it and wherever it takes me. And it's taken me to plenty of fun places, met a lot of fun people and, you know, all you can do is enjoy each day. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I just want to ask how, how aggressive were you, your play style when you played DC? When you play, play against them, <laughs> after them letting you go. 
Oh, I might have uh, gone in a few other tackles and stuff, but hey, nothing no. wrong. With that. I, I like it. Let me tell you, I like it. Poopus was a very aggressive soccer player back in his day, <laughs> so he appreciate he, he appreciates any aggression on the soccer field. That's funny. You have to be aggressive. You have a nickname like that. Get made fun you of. You better be. <laughs> Well, thank you. I, I really I love that our guests come on here and they really embrace Poopus's nickname. It's such a strange <laughs> nickname, but people really embrace it. Mm-hmm. All right. Funny. So before we go ahead and close out, we got to get back to the last question, the one that we said we come here. back. To. Oh yeah, you're, uh, oh yes, your goal, your goal she scoring she was song. Slip away. My goal scoring song. Oh god. Oh man. Just like the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about that, like. What would you pick? I think about There's goals. no wrong answer. Um, or watch uh, that song, yeah, whichever. I feel like there's a lot of wrong answers. Oh, man. Oh, no. Probably some kind of, like, dancing song. What's that song? You look better with the lights off? Something like that. Then they turn all the lights off and, like, strobe lights come out and everyone just starts dancing. I think it'd be really fun. Yeah, sing it, to, sing it to us. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, uh, I think we're breaking up here. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, of course. All right. Well, we 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 won't we won't stress you out on that question well, too much. So, well, well bro, uh, just, we, we all know that song right there. So I was gonna I, I say, hear, I hear on what that one. I hear you on that one. So it's okay. What song is it? I have no idea. Though. I'm disagreeing. With it, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Katie, do us a favor. After you score your first goal at the at the Challenge Cup. Go ahead and tweet at us, Texas. Let us know what that song is I'll that you would have loved to have heard right after you scored your first goal. I'll give it more, you know, real thought. Yeah, we'll give you some time to think on it. <laughs> thank you. More than, more than just one podcast length. Oh, thank God. Okay, good. I'm at the spot. <laughs> All right. How far, do you, how far do you think the Houston Dash can go in the Challenge Cup? You guys, you think you can win it all? Oh, absolutely. That's the confidence that I love That's to hear. That's it. It's the one. <laughs> So I think that concludes our questions. I, for one, am excited to watch the NWSL come back. They're going to be the first league back, like we stated. It's going to start on June June 27th. I believe you guys, Houston Dash plays one of the first days of July, correct? Yep, July 1st. July 1st. You guys are going to be playing your very first game against, you know, defending and back-to-back champ North Carolina Courage. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. all of our listeners out there, in order to watch the games, you guys are going to have to subscribe to CBS All Access. Please do that. It's $6 a month. You know, it's there's a month worth of games. It's going to be high quality. You know, like Katie just said, she thinks the NWSL is the best league in the world, so some of the highest quality women's soccer that's out there. So you guys, please tune in. They're going to be playing in real stadiums, so if they do piped-in sound, it'll look and feel real. Tune into that. Uh, Poopus, Dakota, do you guys have anything to close out with? Dakota. Did you just call me Dakota? Mike D, baby. Poopus, Poopus and Mike <laughs> oh D. I'm so sorry. Woo, been doing this for too long. I quit. Oh, well, there, goes an- <laughs> there goes another uh, co-host. So. <laughs> no. All right, Poopus and Mike D, do you guys have anything to close out with? I just, I just want to thank you, Katie, for joining us on the show today. Like, It's been a great time with you, and uh, we can't wait to watch you on the field. So I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, thank you so much. Um, I do have one last question that I've been trying to fit in. Ooh. You've scored a lot of goals. Uh-huh. What's your favorite? Oh, God. Probably the first one, right? Because then they all just come afterwards. Yeah. Tell me about it a little bit, just briefly. Um, I got across, and it bounced off my shoulder, and I claimed it was a header. 
and I ran away <laughs> like it was, you know, greatest goal ever. What was that like for you? What were the emotions that were running through you in that in that moment? <laughs> um, I was just shocked because I always got made fun of for not being able to head the ball and then end up scoring more goals in my head that season than anything else. Um, wow. And then they started screaming in German, so I thought they were all mad at me, so I didn't know what to do. So. <laughs> yeah, awesome. well, then what, what song did they play after that? <laughs> I literally could not tell you because it was something weird. <laughs> uh, I'm just I'm just poking that's amazing. we're having a good time. Right. Well, yep, that's it. That's all the questions I had. I just wanted to, to see what that was like. But, um, again, thank you so much for joining us. You've been a great guest for my first pod, so I'm super excited. You've kind of set the bar high. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you out there on the field. All righty. Thank you, guys. Yeah, of course, Katie. Uh, once again, we had Katie Stingle on our show tonight. Current Houston Dash player, former U-20 Women's World Cup winner, all-time leading goal scorer at Wake Forest Women's Soccer. Um, so everybody go give her a follow. You guys tune in July 1st when they play their very first game on CBS All Access. Uh, you guys go ahead and follow the Houston Dash, support them throughout the tournament, and support women's soccer in general. Uh, they're the first contact sport back, so give them some love. Until next week, you guys stay home, stay safe, stay healthy, and thank you again to Katie Stingle. <laughs>